Told y'all this was a movement. Taking up. I ain't believe You dig? Banked out. Banked out. The South, we getting banged up. Worldwide, we getting banged up. Yeah. Call up 917-889-8041. It's the Bay Down Radio Show. We controlling the globe, and we second to no one. Every time we emerge, we putting that work in banged out. Do it for the culture. Then it's one love wins since from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. We'll tip see the trophy. And we keep making moves by coastal. Let them suckers didn't believe, but I told you. Banged out, about to be your household name. And banged out mean when you pop more change. Falling like old. Shout out to Rochelle, network is Saturday, it's about to be your movie Gotta go big, it's the only way to do it It's a conglomerate, we get into it Can't forget Fridays, gotta be inspired with Linda H While you riding on the interstate We got Sundays with sunshine from 5 to 6 While you watching on your dinner plate, make sure to tune in And tap in with the movement, cause it's about to go down Shout out, discover this, captain of the mothership If you ain't know that you know now to the, the list you mentioned, and no, I'm not diva, absolutely no diva, um, but I've been very blessed and lucky to be able to sing and model. Um, around the world, I got my modeling career started in London, where I was already living for my uh, singing career, and I've just been so lucky to model in Paris. Um, most of my contracts are with German companies. I work obviously in New York City, you know, that's that's the closest market, especially now with the border being closed, I can't exactly go work in Toronto. And then uh, I work in LA and Miami. 
Um, so I've been really lucky. Um, and I, it's, I'm, every five years I move away from Buffalo and then I come back. And then I go somewhere else for a couple of years and then I come back. You know, I just, I keep coming back. So right now I'm in the Buffalo position. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're in your five-year mark for you right now. Is it soon to leave Buffalo and come back or? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. Like I loved living. I mean, I lived in England for five years. Wow. I lived in Italy for about two years. I lived in Chile down in South America for like seven or eight months. Um, wow. I'm tired man <laughs> <laughs> time to settle down <laughs> a little bit yeah and in fact i literally just did my part this is one of the reasons and thank you again for your flexibility one of the reasons we had a hard time hooking up is because my partner and his family just moved into my house uh this literally this past weekend we're just a couple okay. days in That's right. and, and they're from argentina so uh and it's been wonderful but it's a huge change going from um, I never lived with more than two people for, I mean, many years, it was me and my ex-husband with whom I'm still very good friends. Mm -hmm. And then for the last couple of years, I've been living alone with my health problems, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually has been really difficult. But now all of a sudden there's five people in the house, including a baby. So, <laughs> and oh, my dog. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's really amazing there. I'm really happy. I, I, I won't say I kissed a lot of frogs. I'll say I kissed a lot of snakes <laughs> before I found the prince. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So and for the, you know, I think uh, we're going to chill in Buffalo for a little while. Okay. Yeah. And it's so funny because you talk about just being able to, uh, being used to living with just two people, you know, max in your house. And I come from a big family, you know, so we have um, seven kids. So me and my husband and our, our two older ones are already out the house now. So wow. it feels weird. Like you're like, man, there's, there's people missing because you're just so used to so many people in the house. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to take a <laughs> it's gonna take a little bit of an adjustment for you though but yeah lots of fun it'll be lots of fun especially with I, the baby. I'm very grateful for it very happy yes so mm -hmm. you told me or told us that you um started modeling when mm -hmm. um when you was working as an opera singer how did that come about did someone just come up to you and say hey you know well in college um in the 90s <laughs> i just gave away my age i don't care i'm about i'm about to turn 45 and i have no shame i am proud of every year i'm the hottest 45 year old out there yes, so when I, hell yeah <laughs> when i was in college in the 90s i did some modeling i went to a music conservatory in ohio that was maybe like 45 minutes from cleveland um, so I signed, I mean, it wasn't even an agency. I think it was Barbizon you know? okay. and yeah, I got some work and stuff, but then, um, so this was, you know, I was 19, 20, something like that. And then, um, I actually got scouted. Um, I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but a famous plus size model and older model came to Cleveland to do a, a go see a scouting. And I went and I was scooped up and all of that. But, um, and this was the dark ages of, of the plus modeling world. I mean, there were almost none. The mm -hmm. few that there were were small. You know, they were size 10 and 12, maybe a 14, but barely. And, uh, you know, it's not nearly as open as it is today. But anyways, my health problems started to kick in at that point. I developed a, a whole bunch of diseases where I was losing my hair. But my weight would balloon up and down. I mean, I was in no shape to be modeling. And then I developed a bunch of neurological diseases too, and my body was breaking down. So in uh, 2007, my husband and I, ex-husband, moved to London and England uh, to pursue a PhD in music for me. So I went over to pursue my opera and singing career. And at this point, I was—it was, it was uh, you know 11 years ago, so I was like 33. And I thought, you know, I'm just getting older the industry is not very forgiving i'm in the great one of the greatest cities in the universe for modeling let me give it one more shot and if by this point my issues with my weight had even down my hair loss had worked itself out you know i was i hate to put it this way but kind of more sellable 
right? More presentable. And um, I just joined Model Mayhem, which is a great place for young models to start, by the way. Yes, there are some scams, but it is a legit site. And I did some quality work with some quality people and started getting published in print magazines and working with a couple organizations in London. And I think within a year or two of starting, I had magazine covers. I was, you know, event managing the first plus show in British history. Um, I was one of the top fashion PR executives in London, and, you know, getting signed to agencies. I mean, it, once I set my mind to it and worked my butt off, incidentally, um, it happened really quickly. And so the five years I was in London was kind of a balance between my opera career and my, my modeling career. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I was lucky. Yes. Wow. But I worked butt off. Nothing was handed to me. And most people said, you're too short, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too this. Like, I got told, like a lot of models starting out, I was told I would never make it. And, you know, I just got on a billboard in Times Square last week, by the way. I know. And you know what? You blew the whistle. Because <laughs> congratulations on that. Thank you. I was like, man, I just, and this was recently too. Like a, a I think it goes down today, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's there now. Okay. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. <laughs> so you are actually on um, the billboard for the Body Love campaign. Right. Silvana Denker. Silvana Denker. Yes. Silvana okay. yes, Denker. Yeah, and it's beautiful too. I've seen um, the pictures that you posted. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that campaign? Sure. Um, and I'll just say I'm just one of maybe 20 models that are yes. featured on that poster. I mean, that billboard is really about the Body Love campaign, which was founded in, I believe, the year 2015 by one of my dearest model friends named Silvana Denke. She's based out of Germany. Um, she's a photographer and frankly, one of the top plus photographers in Europe. I mean, she's as good a photographer as she is a model and she's one of the top plus models in Europe. She was bullied horribly as a child. I mean, really, truly horribly bullied and had experienced self-harm and very intense body hatred because of it. And so she started the campaign as much to heal her own wounds as, you know, other people's. So it started in Siegen, Germany with just a small group of people and it's a teeny town she's from and she just had this idea to have everyone wear black and black bra and underwear and there were gentlemen too so you know black undergarments and then you paint the letters for body love on everyone's tummy and it got some press and it grew and grew and grew so i'm over here in america um 2015 2016 watching it grow and each city would get bigger, it would go to Rome, and she would always shoot in one of the most recognizable monuments. So, you know, maybe in Rome, they shot in front of the Colosseum. In Paris, they shot in front of the Eiffel Tower, you know. And it was kind of a way to, like, force people to deal with um, different kinds of bodies. And it's not a plus-size campaign. There is a misunderstanding. It's a body love and an anti-bullying campaign. So there's men and women and, you know, gender neutral and trans and, and every status in between. Um, she loves to include people with scars, mm -hmm. with tattoos, who are missing limbs, um, people with visible surgery scars, just any kind of body that society says isn't right. Mm -hmm. So it's, in, it's very much an anti-bullying campaign as much as it is a self-love or a body love campaign. So um, she announced, and I was following her, you know, like uh, I think 90,000 other people are on Instagram. And um, I applied for the one that was coming to New York. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky that I was one of the, I think seven or eight that was chosen. This was during New York Fashion Week 2016. And we got permission to shoot in Times Square which is not easy to do because you have to get permits and they have to make the people, you know, give you room. And yeah, basically like we took over Times Square and, and it was our way of protesting the lack of size diversity happening in New York Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, Silvana's done it in many cities. She's done it in many cities since. 
but if I could speak for her, I think that that one was her favorite. I mean, she talked about it being her life dream. It's changed all of our lives. It got the most press. You know, we were written up in Saudi Arabia, Italy, Spain. I mean, like the international press, we got magazine covers out of it. And, um, and I'd done two others with her. One right here in Buffalo, we got permission to shoot at Niagara Falls. Okay. So we did, we did Body Love Niagara Falls, and it was April. And if you remember, April's an iffy time in Western New York. It could be spring, could be gorgeous. <laughs> and it, it was winter. And we were also shooting a lookbook campaign for some German designers. And it's all bikinis, because, you know, in fashion, you always shoot a, a season or two ahead. And it was 45 degrees and freezing rain. Wow. So we're there just in our skivvies. And you kind of like happy and body love. <laughs> oh my God. Modeling's so easy. Yeah, right? <laughs> and that was so cool to also welcome her, you know, to our local area. And I also did Body Love Santa Monica, where we laid down on the sand and used our bodies to spell out, you letter. know, the O. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And um, she's had other um, versions of the Body Love campaign. She has this incredible one where she paints people, um, curvy women who are naked in incredible metallic paints. Hmm. She has one where she kind of drips paint down their body. She's very creative in ways of showing, you know, all the different kinds of bodies that are out there. So that's what the billboard is, is celebrating really her entire project. Very nice. And it's touched so many people. I can't tell you the thousands of people, especially because it's gone to something like 40 some cities by now. Mm -hmm. It's touched so many people and you know you've made it when you get imitated because her idea has been stolen by two or three other organizations. Wow. Who, um, and they've become much, much huger. I mean, these are people that have 300,000 followers now on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and on the one hand, it's, it's great, like good, get people with different bodies out walking around in their underwear demanding attention from the media. But a couple of them actually stole the entire idea and there's a corporate sponsorship behind it. And, uh, yeah. we, we didn't need to be messy, you know, like get your own good idea. <laughs> <laughs> get your own good idea, like. <laughs> Now, was this your um, first time being on a billboard? Yes. Wow, even more exciting. Wow. And, and especially for the type of project that it turned out to be. So very exciting. Congratulations Thank again. You. Thank so, you. Um, yeah. So, and, and I find it even um, more interesting that, okay, this is your first time being on a billboard, the type of campaign that this is, and knowing that um, from your background, um, at one point, you wasn't very happy with your body. And you went from basically hating your body to oh, yeah. now you're like self-love, embracing your body. And um, my yeah. question you is how did you change your mindset to go from hating your body to genuine and the key word is genuinely because there genuinely. are a lot of people that say oh yeah I love myself you know self-love this and that but they're just saying it just to say it or saying it right. because you know they they want the you know people on social media to like their their posts or things like that but that's not how yeah. they genuinely feel yeah so, if you really love yourself that way you don't announce it you could just see it right yeah. Um, yeah, I get asked this question a lot and there's a couple things. I mean, one is just time. I just grew up. I just, and, and you know, I can't help anyone else do that faster. It's just, you grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, it's so silly, but I don't know if you could see this tooth here is kind of, it sticks out a little bit. And I, I had braces for five years, by the way. Um, okay, no what, what's up with you in five? <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> your lucky number bye 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 I, I never thought it was but maybe it's well caught well caught Linda um, I used to hate it like in my 20s I would hide it and I always talked about getting it fixed and then it's like it my tooth's a little crooked who cares like how much weight did I put on that for years and in fact I get booked now because of it because having crooked teeth is actually high fashion and editorial I mean, if you look at the girls who do hardcore editorial, 
They're weird looking. Like they have crossed eyes and crooked teeth. And I mean, weird in a beautiful way, you know, and <laughs> big buck teeth. And, and, and I mean, that's the difference between kind of a beauty model and an editorial model. Like my pictures look better because my teeth are crooked. And I also realized that, that when you get to the right niche of modeling, you're going to get booked for what you used to hate about yourself. Good hit. So part of it was just I grew up. I'm a big girl now, right? <laughs> and part of it, I mean, you know, I had all these diseases, and most of them made me gain weight. And so I don't like to use the word fault, okay, when it comes to weight. I don't like to compare weight and health. But we do both know people who eat 5,000 calories a day and don't exercise. And I know people who weigh 350 pounds and have Olympic medals. I mean, some of the best athletes I know are quote overweight. So again, I don't like to make that comparison. But some people are overweight because they do things that make them overweight. Yeah. Okay, it's a fact. And so I decided that whatever degree I had over my weight, and it wasn't much because I have a lot of hormone diseases, endocrine diseases. I'm like, it's up to me to take responsibility for that. So just getting a little bit more fit, not even losing or gaining weight, but just getting more fit, more muscles, like working out more helped a lot too. Cause now it's like, you know, yeah, my thighs are still, you know, chubby and I have cellulite, but the muscles underneath are like muscles, you know? <laughs> and so part of it is, is that too. It's like, you have to take responsibility for your own health, whatever that means, gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining, eating more vegetables, drinking more water, whatever it means is not for me to say it's between you and your doctor, but it's your responsibility to take care of your health to whatever degree you can, you know? Yeah. Wow. You, uh, <laughs> you gave a lot, you gave a lot of uh, good tips out there. <laughs> wow. So, um, Let's see, we talked about, um, well, you talked about a little bit of um, some of the criticism that you've received, especially for starting out um, in the modeling industry. You know, you're too short, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're overweight, you're, you know, mm. you don't fit this, you don't fit that. I think one of the things that's very important that you said is that you need to find what your niche is because there exactly. is opportunity for everyone, you know, exactly. there really is, you know, and, um, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I want to be a model. And then you're like, okay, well, what type of model would you like to be? You know, and you just have to find where it is that you fit in, you know, in this big circle. Now, um, one of the questions I have for you is um, what, how do you face criticism now? So is it the same as when you first entered the industry and was receiving criticism or have you been able to take it differently now? Well, first of all, I don't really get criticized anymore. I get critiqued. And as an artist, that's how it works. I love to get critiqued. I mean, as a singer, I'm an actress. I'm a, you know, I've been on stage since I was eight years old. If you're any kind of artist, visual, performing, fine art, whatever, if you can't take critique, you are in the wrong pool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, if someone's like, hey, you know, remember to lift your chin or, you know, this picture would have been stronger if you had popped your shoulder. I have, I don't take it personally at all. I'm glad for it because you have to, I don't like this idea about everyone has to turn themselves into a brand, okay? But you do have to zoom out and view yourself as a product. So there's me, Carmina, the person, but there's Carmina, the model. So right. I, I, I can look at my pictures and tear them to shreds. And I could also tell you exactly what is perfect and what I wouldn't change. And none of that affects me internally because I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. And my job is to sell garments. For, for designers. So um, do I get criticized? Not from anyone in the industry. I mean, there's trolls, you know, I've been trolled really badly the past couple of weeks, you know, um, because I have fat cottage cheese thighs and, you know, it's all Trumpers. It's these incels and Trumpers. And again, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I don't take it personally. They don't know me. How could it be personal? Um, but I, but, but, um, industry wise, no. I mean, once I got going and like started doing it, no, no, I, no one told me that after the first year or two ever. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. 
just don't let it, you know, for, for the new models or anyone entering the, the industry, try not to take it personally. And I think also for me, it, it's kind of like what you said, it really, I kind of try to look at it as what is that person's intention? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, is, are there is the critique? It's the intention because they want to help you improve or better yourself, like you're saying mm-hmm. right now. Exactly. Or is the intention, you know, because they're, you know, hating or throwing shade or right. um, trolling or they, they have their own agenda. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, and, you know, this had me thinking because we were talking about the, um, you know, the body love campaign. And it kind of made, this made me think about this story that I have. Um, this is, it has nothing to do with the industry, but um, when I was probably like about seven years or so ago, you know, I just had my baby a couple of months ago, you know, a couple of months prior, and then I had like a girls' day, you know, girls, girls' day, girls' night, <laughs> a picture on social media, and I thought I looked great, you know, I think I gained like 60 pounds during pregnancy, and I dropped probably about like 40 or so, you know, so I mean, I was feeling good, you know, I posted on, you know, social media picture, and you know, people were liking, you know, nice, blah, 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 then I have one person that um, happens to um, sell those waist trainers, right, and then they posted, um, you need to come see me so I can help you get snatched, (laughs) and I looked at, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what a way to just pop my bubble, you know, because I thought that I You just had a baby. Exactly, you know, and I'm like, you know, but her, her intention wasn't really to to better me, like, hey, I can help you to look better or whatever. Her intention was she was trying to make a sale. Exactly. So that's what her agenda was. So sometimes you got to kind of think, you know, take a step back before you really even let something affect you internally. You need to think, where is this person coming from? You know, what is their intention? And that's kind of like how I try to try, you know, I'm human, you know, but that's how I kind of try to look at things. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of being a model? Because, like mm. you said, a lot of people think that you know it's just so easy. You know, <laughs> no work at all. You see, a billion people would be doing it because there's there's a billion beautiful people out there. If all it took was prettiness, like fifty percent of the population would be modeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've had a couple people say things like, oh, I would have been a model, but I wanted to go to university or, or my IQ is too high. I'm like, bitch, I went to Harvard. <laughs> We're had straight A's. I right. will not stand for this. Models are stupid. Some are. It's just like normal people, right? Some are brilliant. Some are dumb as bricks. And most are normal, just like in any other profession. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. I got off track over here originally. <laughs> <laughs> my little rant <laughs> I'm sorry can you say the question the again? hardest part of the hardest part, hardest part. Um, <laughs> one okay I have two answers to that one has to do with all of the constant nonsense of self-promotion and all of this instagramming and worrying about likes and agencies who won't even let you apply unless you have a minimum of 25k followers and um, one, the hardest thing about the modern industry is the assumption that there's any correlation between talent and social media, um, engagement. Mm-hmm. And usually there's not. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I've seen some women with absolutely no talent for modeling, don't have the bone structure, do not understand lighting, does not understand angles, have, have terrible poses. I mean, bless their hearts. Not everyone has talent in modeling. And they get signed to agencies because they just kind of hit something right in the, in, in the Instagram world. So that's right now bothersome to me because some of the best models I see, and I'm, this is not sour grapes. This is not me talking. I'm doing very well, very satisfied with my, you know, my achievements, but I see some models who are just incredible, who get completely passed over. And I see someone who's just crap, who have no business calling themselves models, who get signed to milk. I mean, top agencies in the world. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know, maybe there's just something I'm not getting and I don't necessarily want to get about this, this game we're supposed to play on social media now. What's hardest about modeling 
in real. I mean, you know, it's physically challenging. I mean, being in heels, holding, you know, poses like this for 30 minutes where you're 100% working your abs and you can't have any tension in your face and you know your muscles have to be relaxed but you still have to be full of energy. You know, that goes on for hours and hours and hours. And people don't understand shooting a simple lookbook where you might do 10 looks in a day, you are fried the next day, it's exhausting. Yeah. But if you love it, you got the energy, like it's a good exhaustion. So I would say the hardest thing is mastering as many different parts of modeling as possible. I mean, I do agree, like we said before, everyone has their niche, but like you should be good at catwalk. You should have evidence of commercial. You should have evidence of catalog. You should have evidence of couture, the three C's, Tyra calls them, you know? Um, I mean, I've modeled like really ugly, low quality, old lady, you know, moo-moos. Yes. <laughs> and then I modeled like a $20,000 custom Roberto Cavalli Swarovski crystal encrusted um, kimono, you know, and there's no difference. You have to bring the same amount. So um, it's really hard sometimes to model when you know you look bad in the outfit. Like, you know it's whack. You know it's you know it's not flattering you know it makes your butt look huge or whatever and you got to work it like you're at paris couture fashion week so part of that is just remembering your job it's not about you your job is not to take pictures your job is to model is to sell products sell products yep and some of my proudest moments as a model were quiet moments it's when i literally got pulled off the runway dragged to the designer and said i want this dress now I've sold dresses off the runway in both New York and Paris a number of times. And that's actually when I'm as proud of that as I am of the billboard and, and the magazine covers, because that means I did my job. Yes. Wow. Yeah. People Very forget. Like, it's, I love pictures. Like, it's an art form and it's a business. Money, commerce, and art. Like, the young moms have to, like, keep their eyes on all the balls, you know? Yeah. Now, um, what being a being a, a model mentor as well, yeah. what is considered um, curvy and plus size? Oh, so this is a big debate, and there's a difference between what the general public understands and what's actually standard in the industry. And I don't agree with the industry. So sometimes people jump on me when I tell them these are just the facts. So sample sizes come in size two and four. Mm -hmm. that, that's a standard across the entire industry, the whole world. And so that's why most models are size two and four, because you don't have to worry about fitting everyone. So women are, like if you're a size six, you kind of have to starve yourself to get down to a two, four, or you're in no man's land. So technically, plus starts at size six. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're 5'11 and you're size six, you're tiny. Okay, so that that's a technical definition of where plus starts is a six, which is beyond ridiculous. Some agencies start what they call their curve division at a size eight. Okay. More likely it starts at a size 10. Um, the eight, the tens, and the twelves, and I'm in there, I'm a 10 slash 12. We call ourselves the betweenies, the in-betweenies. Yes, we're too big to be standing too small to be considered plus yes. most agencies start their actual true plus division at a size 14 yep. mm -hmm. so so the 12s could end up on a plus board the 12s could end up on a curve board it depends on the agency yeah so it, it but the general public i think understands plus to start at like a 14 mm -hmm. i yep. think i think i think so too so um, people will tell me like you're not plus size i'm like go ask my agent yes i am <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a dirty word to me so i don't take offense you know that's another thing people argue over the word itself yep now when it comes to the curvy and the plus size group do you feel that the um, fashion industry is becoming more accepting of that group or providing more opportunities 
um, for that group than in, yes in no so it depends on and I know this now because I've lived and modeled in five different countries it depends on the country and the region and the city wow. so like in New York this stuff is old hat there's been plus models since the 90s same thing in London in Buffalo I do not exist it doesn't matter that I came back from five years in London with magazine covers and, and, you know, working fashion week and all of this stuff. Like I was, and still am treated like a total pariah in the Buffalo fashion industry, which is nothing. It's, it's a, you know, with all due respect to the city, which I love, you know, it's not exactly a world famous fashion destination. And I have the same problem with Rochester, by the way. There are almost never plus models in Rochester Fashion Week. And I've been watching like a hawk. Believe you me, I've been looking at every picture and counting. I have for both um, Buffalo and Rochester-based fashion shows. And it all boils down to the designers. The designers, most of them stop at a size 12, 10. And why do they do that? Because they're not taught in design school. So the problem really goes back is to how the designers are taught. And that problem boils down to is, is there a plus size mannequin or not? Okay. Is there a disabled mannequin or not? Mm -hmm. um, we have a very fine fashion program here at Buffalo State College. I think it's supposed to be the best in the SUNY system after FIT, obviously. And um, the director of the program, Dr. Lynn Boroday, is amazing, very forward-thinking, extremely plugged into what's going on in the fashion industry. And she lobbied for a couple years to just get the department to buy a couple plus-size mannequins so the students would have something to cut and pa pattern block off of. Mm, okay. um, so there are a few designers in Buffalo, and I love them, God bless them. I work for them with all honor who do dress up through size 24, you know, but most, um, no, I mean, I've been treated basically like a nobody here. And some of the top plus models around have come from Western New York. I mean, Emmy, the most famous one from the 90s is from Syracuse. From Buffalo, we have Carolyn Moround, who won Tyra's plus size version of America's Next Top Model. I mean, she's huge in the industry. Um, Velvet Demore who walked in Paris Fashion Week in the 90s at 300 pounds. Um, when the top photographers in the world, she's from Rochester. I mean, there's curvy talent that came out of Buffalo. Um, but because I have a social message behind my modeling, I'm always needling people, you know, about diversity. And we're gonna get into that too. <laughs> One thing I'll say that Buffalo does a wonderful job of is racial diversity. I have no, critique whatsoever about the beautiful range of colors that I've always seen in the Buffalo fashion scene and, and size diversity too. That's wonderful. Um, there are uh, a couple mature models. There are no disabled models and the two or three of us plus models just basically keep hitting walls. And people ask me why I don't open my own agency. And my answer is who would pay? There's no money flowing. I mean, designers don't pay the models in Buffalo, photographers don't pay the models, and no one is hiring a plus model. So how could I, in good conscience, expect to make money for myself, let alone my models? Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, so, but whatever. I mean, I get a ton of work in New York and L.A., so, oh, well, you know. <laughs> now, what are um, some common scams that yeah. models can face? Some are really, really obvious, and they're so obvious that, like, we get together, us mentors, and we laugh about them. I mean, people are sending out fake emails from um, Stephen Mizell, you know, like, the top Vogue photographer, um, from Annie Leibowitz, you know, the one who shoots the cover of Vanity Fair every month, and going like, hey, I saw you on Instagram. Can I shoot you? Like, no. Like, Mozart doesn't call you up and ask you to sing. That doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> So that one's really obvious. Um, the scams are getting more sophisticated and that's part of my job as a mentor to help you know, my clients see through the scams. Um, I mean, sometimes it's easy to tell. It's poorly worded, misspelling, you know, ridiculous. I mean, you know, a lot of people are non-native speakers and they make mistakes, but, you know, just ridiculous grammar and misspelling and obviously was run through Google Translator, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But basically what I tell people is, if it's too good to be true, 
it's it's not true. I mean, we all hear the stories in our head of, of um, who was it? I think it was Ashley Graham got discovered in a mall. And, you know, Lana Turner, the famous Hollywood actress, was discovered in a soda shop in 1940. I mean, once in a while it happens, but that's like 0.001%. No one just gets discovered. So yeah. if, 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 People's egos get in the way. That's why they fall for scams. They think, oh, wow, maybe I'm going to make it big or this person really likes me. And most likely it's BS. And it doesn't mean you don't deserve. It doesn't mean you're not bookable or likable. It just means put the ego aside and really read what it is. Because it's, it's, if it's, we're going to fly you out to LA and give you $2,000. Like, stop. Yeah, stop. I got one of those when I first started. <laughs> I got a bunch of those, yeah. Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts with, um, since we were talking about New York Fashion Week, yeah. um, I noticed that there's a lot of um, smaller productions during New York Fashion Week that says, yeah. oh, yeah, you're going to be a, a model for the New York Fashion Week. You got to pay X amount of money to yeah. your spot reserved, plus you got a guarantee to sell five oh. to ten tickets. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those type of productions? Girl, you're singing my song. This is something <laughs> I've been fighting and talking to my own models about for years. Okay. So New York Fashion Week used to be sponsored exclusively by, um, I think it was a camera company. I think it was a Canon for a while. And then Mercedes-Benz took it over. And Mercedes-Benz used to sponsor London, Paris, the top fashion weeks. And it had one location for a while. It was in Lincoln Center. And it was like concentrated. And then they got kicked out of Lincoln Center. Mercedes-Benz withdrew the sponsorship. And so for better or for worse, New York Fashion Week splintered. There wasn't one center. There wasn't like one common area, so to speak. So it was scattered all over the city. The good news about that is that a lot of cool, interesting indie shows popped up alongside. Like I walked in a really cool event called Uptown Fashion Week, which was way up at the, the end of the six. Like literally, you can't go more uptown. I mean, I think it was the, the very last stop in the Bronx and it was all Latin American designers and it was some of the top models I mean Lyris Cross I mean you know it's big big name models so it was during New York Fashion Week but it was not New York Fashion Week okay. so there's like um, small business fashion week is a good show so a lot of these people run alongside the real like trademark New York Fashion Week and they play this kind of double game where they say, oh, model for us for Fashion Week. And the models think they're going to be on the main stage in Spring Street Studios or in Pier 59 where the real Fashion Week is. And I have to tell them, no, you're not walking in New York Fashion Week. You're walking during. And how do you know? Fashion, New York Fashion Week for real casts in the days or weeks just before. So if you're telling me three months ahead of time you're in Fashion Week, no, you're not. You can't possibly be. It doesn't work that way. And I don't like to burst people's bubbles, but by all these models saying they're walking in Fashion Week when they're not, it dilutes the actual product. And so when models actually do make it on the main stage, it's been devalued by people talking not by shows shows not, I mean it's not just models but it's these and like I said some of them are very reputable I mean I would walk in uptown fashion week again I would walk in small business fashion week again but as you pointed out some are just straight up scams for young models who don't understand that they're not walking in fashion week and you shouldn't have to pay out I mean, sure, okay, if I'm in Buffalo and I'm walking in New York, they maybe aren't going to pay my claim fare, but that's my problem for choosing to live in Buffalo. But I get paid once I'm there, you know what I mean? I never pay out. Mm -hmm. Okay, say that again. <laughs> I never, ever, never pay out. Never. She said now, it. You, that's all model mentors. Never that's pay it. out. Mm -hmm. Once yeah. in a while, you might have to buy your own magazine. That's the only thing that sometimes, like, um, 
if you're in a print magazine, they'll give you one copy, but you really want three because you want to give one to your mom and then you have to tear out your tear sheet and put it in your book. Okay, so you maybe you're buying a couple versions of your own magazine, but never pay out, never. Okay, good advice. And yeah. advice, you have one more piece of advice for our new models. Never pay out and... <laughs> Use your words more carefully. Okay, when I started out, I wasn't very good. I couldn't really tell the difference between a great image and a good image. I had a vision in my head of what I wanted to do, but I, I didn't have the tools to get there yet. Um, so I get it. I get what it's like to be down here and to think your work is great. And then like a year later, you look back, you're like, oh boy, I could have done that way better. Stop using words like amazing, wonderful, incredible. Every photo shoot is incredible. Every photographer everyone works with is amazing. And no, they're not. Like some are great, some suck, and most are fine. And so every photo shoot is not the best photo shoot you've done. Like calibrate your self-assessment is what I would say to young models. Calibrate. And, you know, maybe you don't understand yet that that photographer you worked with is nearly good and not incredible. But if you keep throwing out these big words, they become meaningless. It just devalues actual high-level work. Mm. So when I was a young model, I would refer to myself as a work in progress. Because mm. I knew, okay, I'm getting better, but I can do way better than this. But yeah. if you're putting out crap, and now because a lot of mod young models and older models have to self-video, self-shoot because of COVID, I'm seeing terrible lighting like ungodly bad lighting people who have no clue how to pose i mean really truly terrible pictures and i want the best for these people mm -hmm. when i critique it's because i care okay if i have nothing to say about your photo it means i don't care mm -hmm. um and it, it but it's incredible and it's wonderful and it's amazing no it's not <laughs> so that's what i would like young models to say is kind of you know, I recently met a, um, a up and coming new plus model and it was kind of like she had just discovered this all in 2019. She didn't realize there were like decades of advocacy for plus models and that there was mode, mode magazine and BBW magazine in the 90s was like, I'm going to single handedly fix everything. And it's my, I, my dream is to finally get plus models into couture. I'm like, girl, I was modeling couture in London 10 years ago. Like, y'all don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. Just do good work. You know what I mean? You don't hear that. So. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting perspective. Speaking of perspective, one of the things that um, I really like about you and that I find very interesting is that you freely your mind um and especially on your social media um, <laughs> and um, I I get kickback you know yeah. I pay for it sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> but you speak about um everything from injustices to you know um sometimes your your political views to um you also advocate for um people with disabilities models um that have invisible um disabilities and also for diversity yeah now, do you feel that as a model or um e even for anyone that's in the entertainment industry as a whole is it um do they have a, a responsibility to speak about their you know um views that they feel are very important to them i don't think it's a should Everyone's got their own life experiences and all of that. Um, in my case, my advocacy is fundamental to my modeling and vice versa. They started together. They've never been separated. When I started modeling in London and first got signed, it, it was to a diversity organization that advocated for models of all colors, all shapes, all sizes, all ability levels, all ages. Um, and so that's been fundamental. I mean, I model because I love it. I love the art. I love to be in the studio. You know, the perks are nice. The pictures are nice. But I have a message, right? I got a social message. And the two to me are completely intertwined. I mean, there's no, there's no um, disconnect between my modeling and my activism. 
and the agency I started with in London had a division for models of color, for petite models, for models who are actually considered too tall, for plus models, for disabled models. I mean, I have friends who, who walked London Fashion Week, deaf, blind, missing limbs, wheelchairs. And this is back in 2010, like now it's kind of trendy. This, no one was doing this 10, 11 years ago on crutches, um, burn marks, burn victims, the whole shebang. So, I mean, I advocate for plus models and disabled models because that's me, right? But I, I've been dis, um, advocating strongly for models of color, you know, and that affects me because I'm a human being with morals, not because it's like a selfish thing, you know, same thing with petite models and, and um, other so-called divisions between models. And um, so to me, it's very important. And um, sometimes I feel like I wish I could just shut up and model because I have friends. I mean, I have uh, friends who are black models who are extremely well known and did not say one word about BLM and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, literally did not say one word. And on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, you what, you got nothing to say? but that's them running their career. And you don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. They're donating, they're writing petitions, you know, um, they're going to protest marches, they're calling their senators, et cetera. Um, my platform isn't so big that I can lay back and just let people come to me. You know, some of the really big people can get away with doing and saying nothing. I'm not there yet. And, and I wasn't raised that way, you know. Um, I've been in a smackdown with someone this week who said something really disgusting about the disabled community and refused to take it back. And then I had to, she had said it under her company's name. And then I had to talk to her boss and say, do you know what this person's doing in your name? And, you know, um, especially after the George Floyd murder, um, and I've always been vocal about this issue, but I got extremely vocal. I lost a ton of followers and good riddance, like goodbye, racist. Goodbye, Karens and Beckys, like, get out of my, like, take the, tra the trash took itself out, you know what I mean? Um, but it also puts some people off, too. So sometimes I wish I could just shut up and model. <laughs> you know, let the, I mean, as a disability and a plus advocate, my work speaks for itself, you know. But yeah, so um, I, I do speak my opinion. I listen. You know, I'm not always right. I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong. I'm a Libra. <laughs> so I'm the first to say, you know what? What I did was not cool. I'm sorry. I apologize. And, and I'm naive in expecting the same behavior back. But um, it's not just about modeling. I mean, I'm really, I get letters and have for the past 11 years I've been doing this. I mean, every day, every week from people saying, um, I hated my body until I saw your photos. I couldn't get out of bed until I saw that you also have multiple sclerosis and now I can get out of bed. I mean, I've had a couple of people tell me they were gonna kill themselves. And then they read like an article about me or something. And that's beyond humbling. Yeah. I mean, that when God gives you that, you do something with it. And so when, People think I'm too political or not political enough or the trolls go after me or the Buffalo scene ignores me. I think, you know, unless you're like a doctor or a social worker, how many of you people have saved lives? Because my community saves lives. I'm not the only one who gets these kind of messages. I mean, Sylvana Danker, I can tell you without a doubt that woman has saved hundreds of lives. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important. And that's why I'm not going to shut up. My parents raised me to speak truth to power and to call out the BS. And, you know, I was raised to be a feminist, raised to, to, to call out racist. You know, my parents raised me good. <laughs> Thank God. And I just don't really have a tolerance for people who, frankly, whose parents did a shitty job. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Now, um, you also work with uh, several organizations nationwide that advocate yeah. for models with invisible disabilities. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what advice would you have for um, anyone that has invisible disabilities that are trying to pursue any kind of dream? It doesn't necessarily have to be modeling, but just right. anything that they're trying to pursue. There's a lot of fear that people don't want to let their bosses, their potential bosses, their coworkers, et cetera, know what they have. For example, I have multiple sclerosis. I have many friends with lupus fibromyalgia, these are typical invisible disabilities or chronic diseases. And for good reason, I mean, you know, the American with Disabilities Act is currently strong and currently still the law, but it's hard to sue people, you know, it takes time and money and energy. And um, yeah, some people really keep it quiet and suffer in silence because they don't want to get fired. Um, when I first was finally diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and got a lot of press. I was written up in Yahoo International and all of this. I put out a call, hey, where are the other models with multiple sclerosis? I talked to MS organizations. I contacted modeling agencies and I got crickets. Mm. And I can't be the only agency That's signed for MS. <laughs> Statistically, it's not possible. Mm. They were all hiding it. And some even wrote to me anonymously, privately said, well, I have it, but please don't mention me. I don't want my agency to know. Mm. Now, for some reason, the lupus community is much more outspoken, is much more like successful at, I don't really, I don't get what, I mean, MS and lupus are kind of like cousin diseases. There's not a massive difference between the two of them. But for some reason, people with lupus feel safer telling their truth. Um, Robin Lawley, who's one of the top models out there, she was the first plus model in um, swim, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit a couple of years ago. She has lupus and she had a seizure about two years ago. She fell down the stairs and has a huge scar right here on her forehead. She calls it her Harry Potter scar. It, it does, it is cool. It does look kind of a, and I think maybe she scarred her lip and I mean, she signed to Wilhelmina. She's literally one of the top models in the world. And she's vocal about it. And she will show her scar, you know, like Padma Lakshmi, you know. She's proud of the scar. She doesn't care. She shows it. So what I would say is, if you really have to stay hidden, I get it. I hear you. I support it. But more people are going to be cool than you think. People are going to be understanding. I mean, I've had seizures on... on the stage in the middle of operas and you just you grab onto something and you, and you power through it um my runway career has attenuated a little bit because i just physically cannot do really high thin stilettos i mean it, you you lose a lot of balance with multiple sclerosis and i have fallen on the runway i fell on a runway in la a lot of models fall by the way if they tell you oh models don't fall they're totally lying <laughs> <laughs> but I also said, it, luckily, it was a small private, like a VIP launch, and there wasn't a lot of press there, because I'm like, oh my God, it's going to go viral, and I'm going to be that girl. <laughs> Everyone was so nice about it in the audience. I went to the designer, oh my goodness. <laughs> and she hugged me. She says, no, don't worry about it. In fact, everyone's talking about it, and I pulled it off cute. I kind of did like an Olympic when I felt. <laughs> <laughs> and that taught me something like it's best not to fall but if you're going to fall do it in a way that still serves the designer's needs okay and she was really cool about it and she's like everyone's talking about the cute girl who fell you know but i also swore that that would never happen again never <laughs> I would never put myself or my employer in that position again so i just can't do stilettos anymore but if so for some runways they're like too bad get out but most of them, they're like, okay, you know, you could wear a fat stacked heel. And now on catwalks, girls and boys are wearing sneakers. They're going barefoot, wearing boots, sandals. Like, you know, it's not only about the high stilettos anymore. But I had to modify what I do on the catwalk. But most people are completely okay with it. Um, I had a seizure doing, during a shoot with the world famous Velvet Demore, the... Um, high fashion plus model and photographer in Paris I mentioned earlier. 
And I mean, I puked all over Rochester's beaches. I mean, I would do a couple of poses and then blah, and then do a couple more and then blah, and rot, bless her heart, you know, Velvet was holding my hair back so I wouldn't mess up my outfit. <laughs> and, you know, they were so understanding. And I ended up writing an article about it and we made it into an editorial that got published. Wow. So you just got to find people who, and most people are chill, like, you know, they know your disease or your accident or whatever your thing is, isn't your fault. So just trust that. No, not everyone's going to reject you. Some people are going to be there. You Eventually, you're probably going to get hired because of it. Mm. You know, I just booked a major editorial in a print magazine specifically because I have MS. Wow. Great advice. Not everyone is going to reject it. I like it. Mm. So um, what would you tell young Carmina? Oh, God. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. Forget about your tooth. Look at the bigger picture. Take control of your own health. Great. Now, mm. what's next for you? What, what do you have? Um, any upcoming... Um, projects, any publications? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have um, a small editorial spread coming out in a new boutique print magazine called Soiree, Soiree Magazine. I have an editorial in the relaunch of Fabu Plus Magazine. Oh. Um, there's another one that I can't mention that's coming up. <laughs> that's all Thing. like you get a gig and then you can't say anything for six yeah. months it's same with opera so by the time you announce it it's like the balloon is already deflated <laughs> uh, I mean I lost a lot of contracts obviously during the pandemic um Silvana had booked me and some other models um it's kind of what you work for to 10 years is to have that that perk we were going to be in like a palazzo on a little island off the coast of Croatia and, you know, with like a private pool. This was back in May, shooting for something like 10 different German brands. And it was like, wow, I made it. You know, this is the, it's 95% hard work. This is the 5%. And of course it got canceled with COVID and the international travel ban. I mean, you know, I literally should be right now in New York working Fashion Week. I have a press pass because I work for a magazine. So during Fashion Week, I'm modeling, I'm walking, I'm taking photos, I'm doing video interviews. I'd be looking at my billboard, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot on the horizon in modeling just because we're kind of waiting for the system to come back online, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's even worse in singing. I mean, all opera contracts have been canceled through 2021. I honestly don't expect to be in an opera again until 2022. I uh, run and direct my own choir here in Buffalo, but group communal singing is one of the most single dangerous things you can do because singers are considered super spreaders because we have these powerful opera lungs and we project the aerosols like two or three times farther than the average person. So singing, it's, it's really weird because what you love to do, what you've trained your whole life, the reason you think you were put on this earth is now become incredibly dangerous. Yeah. So, and you know, singing with masks, I mean, that's a whole other interview. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, there's good things. But you have some publications coming out, so yeah. make sure, please tag me so I can share it. Thank and you. And um, let's see, um, why don't you tell our viewers and listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. I'm on Instagram and I just changed my handle to Curvy Confident Carmina. Ooh. And Carmina is spelled C A R M I N A. So on Instagram, Curvy Confident Carmina. And then on Facebook, I'm just under Carmina Suzanne. Um, and there's a lot of content, probably too much on all those places. <laughs> well, you send me, well, I, I have your Facebook. Um, do I have your? I might have your answer. Just send me both so that I can have it. Um, yeah. And make sure that I put it out there for the viewers to also and listeners to be able to um, connect with you. Perfect. And as always, everyone knows that they can follow me. Um, I have the um, Be Inspired with Linda H Facebook page, and I also have um, it on Instagram as well. So we will talk to you next week. And thank you so much, Carmina, for. Thank you.
show with us. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, God bless everyone. Mwah. Yeah. yeah. Told y'all this was a movement. Taking up. I ain't believe You dig? Banked out. Banked out. The South again banged up. Worldwide, we getting banged up. Yeah. Call up 917 889 8041. Just the bank that radio show. We controlling the globe and we second to no one. Every time we emerge, we put in that work and bang that door for the culture. Then it's one love wins from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. But tip she the trophy. And we keep making moves by coastal. Now them suckers didn't believe what I told you. Banged out, about to be your household name. Networking Saturdays about to be your movie Gotta go beat, it's the only way to do it It's a conglomerate, we get into it Can't forget Fridays, gotta be inspired We'll in the H, while you riding on the interstate We got Sundays with sunshine from 5 to 6 While you watching on your dinner plate, make sure to tune in And tap in with the movement Cause it's about to go down, shout out, discover this Captain of the mothership, if you ain't know that you know now